You've been they, keeping up with those payments to the lawyers, right, Francine? <laughs> <laughs> They're on retainer for a reason. And okay. Nice. Yes. But the bail is, yeah, we have to work on the bail payments. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you guys can, like, handle this any way you see fit. I'll dial the lawyer's number while you're talking. <laughs> We're trying not to get shut down, but I'm, I'm going to push some boundaries today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. I'm not. You guys ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. We're going in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Recap Discussion. This is a, a freeform episode where I share some of the things that are on my mind with the people that hang out with me on Recap, which happens to be Alex Crohannon, our analyst, and of course our writer, Anthony Arnold. And in case you weren't aware, I'm your host, Joshua Hyatt. How are you guys doing today? I'm excited. We've been prepped on this one. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> so one of us is excited. Well, this won't be too bad. This won't be too bad. Um, we're, we're today's topic um, is a bit of a controversial one, but uh, I mean, this person has been controversial controversial ever since he won the uh, Republican nominee all the way, or the Republican nomination all the way back in 2016. But uh, we're gonna be talking about President Trump's day. And I know that there's a lot to say. Um, there's a there's generally a lot that, that he's done, that his, uh, his administration has done, his constituents have done. That's not really what we're gonna talk about specifically today. I mostly wanna talk about Trump himself, its impact, and uh, some of the things that he's actually done in office and kind of talk about like some thoughts that I have about the, the, the entity that is President Trump. Because I, I mean, I'm not gonna go like full conspiracy theorist and say like he's a robot or anything, but like there's, there's just a lot to unpack here. So I wanna start you guys off with a statement and I'm gonna defend this statement. <laughs> But I want to make it first so that way you guys know where I'm at. Okay? So, and this is something that I may have mentioned to you before, but I, I don't know how long it's been since you remember I felt this way. But I actually believe, in a really backwards way, that President Trump is actually one of the best things that's happened in modern America. <laughs> that's a hot take. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, lay it out for us, man. So... <laughs> I think that there's there's three specific reasons why Trump, I'm not saying he's good, I'm not saying he's a good person, but I do believe there is a benefit to the four years, hopefully only four years we've had uh, with Trump. And that all has to do with who he is and the, the types of things that he's brought to light and the, the flaws in the American process that he's been able to exploit and that have been put on blast. Because I think that before Trump, to, to, to uh, not, I wouldn't say a similar degree because you know Trump is an enigma, but to, to a somewhat similar extent, like we, we also saw this happen a bit with Obama, but there's, in my mind at the very least, within like the, the social circles that I've been in, there's a lot of people now who are paying a whole lot more attention to politics than they ever have, specifically because he's there. And all the things that he does, all the things that he tweets, everything else, he, it kind of sets a bar. Like, there, I think that there's a lot of people who would, who would have been okay with any kind of president. As long as they, they, they met some criteria, like, right, there was, there was something that they would do that would, in, in many cases, make them worthy of the position. But I don't really think that that bar was very high. I mean, obviously, people would disagree with certain politicians and certain presidents based on their policies and some of the other things that happened while they're in office. I mean, look what happened with Bush. But I think overall... There are reasons to accept just about every president that has come through the Oval Office. And then we get this guy. And whew, I think he sets a new standard 
for leadership. And by that, I mean, there's now a new low bar. I, I feel like- Must be this tall to become president? Exactly. <laughs> like there, <laughs> there, there are now a lot more people who will care about how a president conducts himself both in and out of office. And that, in my mind, that didn't happen before. That wasn't a thing that people, at least people in my sphere, cared about. And that matters a lot now. And then the third reason why I think Trump isn't exactly the worst thing in the world is that all of these things mean that we can move past him. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that he's put in place, like Supreme Court justices and everything else, that are, that are going to take a while to change and we don't know exactly how those are going to impact the nation moving forward because they're fairly recent. But once Trump leaves, America has a bit of a chance because a lot of these things that are going wrong right now are attributed to him. And yes, he has played a large part in the reason why they're probably bad. But we as a nation can move on if we move him. Hmm. Those are my thoughts. Or at least there's a lot getting of my thoughts. All right. Um, I want to, can you, so you, your three points were uh, more people watching politics, um, a new standard, and then the ability to move past him. Well, no. So technically the first point was that he, he's uh, shed light on many of the flaws in our American processes. That was the first point. Technically, this, this point is a bit different than the third one. So thank you for bringing that back up. But more people are paying attention to politics. That's, te- that's the secret second option. Um, the third was that there's a new standard for leadership in this country. And then four, we can move past him. Okay. Huh. There's a lot there. And there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so I, I'm going to do my best to unpack it uh, as I can. So, to the point about more people paying attention to politics, I think that's true. Um, in his way, that has probably been good for democracy. Um, I kept thinking in my head when you said that. Complacency is the death of democracy. Yes. Um, a more active and engaged citizen base is the cure to most things in a democratic process. So, by engaging people, and by getting people engaged, uh, whether they love them or hate them, he has made people more involved in politics. That's, that's good. The part about this, but he's also ratcheted up partisanship in such a way that I think there is a fear um, that if uh, Democrats aren't doing it this time, but I think there's a possibility there's going to be a desire for vengeance among some people on the left. I mean, just it's there. It's there. It's all over the place. There's going to be a real desire for vengeance. And those of us who are on the left of politics, we're going to have to actually monitor our own side very aggressively because this desire and thirst for vengeance is what led Republicans to Trump. Uh, they threw away their standards to get revenge for Obama and they just threw themselves down. And we're going to have to watch our own side. Like, Hey, look, I want to win as bad as you do, but we, we, we can't let it descend too far. So that part, I don't necessarily agree with as much. Um, But the overall thrust of your statement, I mean, yeah, he's Generate more attention in American politics. I'm having conversations with people who I never would have had conversations with before, people who weren't paying attention for eight, 12 years ago, um, who are now interested. Uh, they're asking me my feelings on these things. They're probably asking you guys your feelings on these things. Um, and it gives us an opportunity to educate people, to win people over to our side, if that's something we can do. It gives us a chance that it wasn't there before. Um, what you're seeing right now in this country, right, is like an explosion of almost revolutionary energy. And look, if this is the second revolution, the first one produced a lot of output of like bright people and smart ideas and a lot of just real creative energy explodes around those things. Um, you know, you can look at World War One and Two comes and then Germany has this burst where they're like, we got to reform. And now they built something that is the envy of the rest of the world. 
turmoil creates opportunity to build something better in the wake. So after Trump, there's an opportunity to do it, but it requires us to advance ideas and thoughts and practices that turns the revolutionary energy into productive change and not just rage. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's, that's, that's a nice save there, Anthony. Um, I was gonna point out, you know, like, turmoil also leads <laughs> to catastrophe. Um, yep. yep. Um, so uh, to your points, Josh, um, I, I would address them in order. <laughs> so, um, all right. So revealed flaws in the current system. Um, I agree that it, that is true, though perhaps. Um, so when someone discovers a bug in like uh, the bank's code, you tend to privately inform the bank that, hey, there's this flaw in your security system and maybe you should have somebody address it. They don't tend to publicize that and um, say, let the world burn. <laughs> Um, so there's that. Um, so the second point, more attention to politics. Um, that's a double-edged sword. Um, because on the one hand, yes, we would really like, uh, you know, um, apathy is the death of democracy. And, um, there are certainly a lot of apathetic people or, or people who are politically apathetic, even if they're not, um, actually apathetic to particular issues. Um, and again, you want people to be engaged with things because they care about things, not because um, uh, they like they feel like they are their lives are threatened or their livelihoods are threatened if they don't. So more participation, yeah, that's great, but but it should really say, but because the world is on fire is probably not the best way of obtaining it. That's fair. I'll take that. Hmm. Um, higher standards, and Anthony kind of already addressed this. Um, that is a perspective, but also there is now a new floor. Right. Um, hey, say, if we're if we're able to uh, put one authoritarian or fascist in power, why not a second one or third or more? Right. Um. And finally, um, again, move past him or more like him. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I agree with the third point there that you made, Alex. I think I know what you're going for. And I think there's a – there sometimes when everything is on the line, you do produce the best change. Like um, we didn't – push civil rights for it in this country till the whole country saw on camera that like they're beating black people for the right to vote. So you got to do something. You got to feel something. And then it's on leaders to turn that into something else. Now, this is where I become, this is where, and you didn't make this point, Josh. And so I wasn't quite sure how to work it in. So uh, like apologies if I'm, square peg round hole here okay but um my one of my concerns is that on a leadership level they aren't having the discussions that i think they should be having right um i've talked about this on a facebook post with you alex we had a whole discussion about and, and you laid out for me your economic ideas and i think i said to you you're doing work for leaders that they aren't doing for themselves right which was not a an insult because I thought you were making excellent points and the people who you were making those points on behalf of are not making them on their own, which indicates they're not thinking on the level you might've been. And so to give an example of this that I see right now, we talked uh, about Homeland Security off air through text messages, the danger it represents. Joe Biden's page says he's going to increase funding and training for Homeland Security and Senate is going to elect leaders who are answerable to the president. The answer is not to reform Homeland Security, it's to demolish it, full stop, right? If we're talking about we're merely going to alter who's in charge of Homeland Security, we're missing the whole boat, which is that Homeland Security in and of itself is bad for a say, whole uh, host of reasons. Say, when we liberated, uh, 
when we liberated uh, Nazi Germany, they didn't say, well, we're going to change who's in charge of the SS. They said, That's right. burn that shit. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> and salt the ground, and we'll let you guys try again in like a decade. Maybe we'll let the boot off your throat long enough for you to build a country again. Um, our leaders are so partisan. They're so locked into the system that they aren't thinking huge reforms. They're thinking incremental change that allows them to maintain power. And that's the part about, to relate it back to what you said, Josh, that's the part that kind of scares me is that people are so, there are so many people who are so excited to vote against Trump. They're so ready for him to be gone that they will settle for removing Trump and that's it. They'll go, we got rid of the, we got rid of the guy. We can all go home now, right? And we'll go, well, no. The, the work goes the next decade, the next 20 years. We, that's the work. And that part scares me, that he's so bad that people will merely settle for getting rid of him. Okay. You, you, guys, you guys raised some fair points. You guys raised some fair points. Um, I, I don't think my opinion's changed. However, how I feel about certain aspects of the opinion has been adjusted for a bit. But, I mean, th this is still a talk about Trump himself. And so now I want to go ahead and go through some of the things that he's done while in office or that have happened to him. And I, I just, just kind of want to talk through them, like see what you guys think about these events and yeah, see what you guys think about, about these events. So that's mostly what this is about. So um, first thing, I, I want to start with one of, the, one of the quickest things that happened or one of the things that happened very early on in his presidency is the uh, withdrawal from the uh, Paris Climate Accord. Uh-huh. What about it? Do you want us <laughs> to hear how we feel about it? Yeah. I, think, like the, well, I mean, I, I know how I feel about it. But I think we're all in agreement here. Withdrawing from the Paris Climate Accord was a terrible decision. Um, it was, that a, will it was a help doom the lives of millions of people. Yep. It was senseless. a senseless decision. Um, the Paris Climate Accord was not, uh, say, was not, bind, it was not binding. There were no consequences for um, failing to meet your, um, your projections. So yeah. you're only taking yourself out of it because you're spiteful. Yep. There's no other reason to do it. Um, not, only, not only was it spiteful, it also sacrificed political influence that he himself probably would like to have. When you abandon leadership positions with the rest of the world, uh, you're giving up capital that you could use for trade, for instance. If Trump wants better trade policies, keeping a foot in the door with other countries is a great way to do that. Maybe he could have got won some, himself some victories, won his party some victories, had he not been so focused on, like Alex said, being spiteful towards people who he felt didn't support him. Good political leaders have short memories they have to your enemy tomorrow is your ally the next day yeah. um most of my thoughts kind of echo you guys so we need to go into that uh any more than we already have the second thing and this is in my mind probably the most lasting effect of trump's presidency is that he's a, he's appointed at, as far as i'm aware and I, I believe this number is accurate two supreme court justices and uh 187 federal yeah. <sighs> Boy. And I believe almost all of them are very much uh like conservative. Oh, I uh, say um some of those are largely unqualified people. Um there was one instance of a of a conservative leaning judge who had been um who had just got uh, gotten out of law school, had uh, never yep. tried a case. Yep. Was just like, yeah, yep. lifetime appointment um Federal, I say federal, um, sorry, one of the district courts done. Yeah. His, the federal judge stuff is really going to be interesting to keep an eye on because those are so important and they're completely uncovered because there's just so many of them. Right. So I'll, I, the Supreme Court, though, that's a huge lasting impact he's going to have on our politics. Though I, I look at the recent decisions by the court, I'm curious if 
at the expense of getting a loyalist Supreme Court judge in Brett Kavanaugh, he has screwed his party in ways that he cannot anticipate. Good Supreme Court judges cannot be seen as politically naked. John Roberts is a great conservative judge. Great conservative judge. The reason why is because he will occasionally not side with them. He will occasionally give opinions they disagree with, which gives him the appearance of being unpartisan. This means that when he says conservative stuff, everyone says, look, he's really a well-balanced, down-the-middle guy. We've seen that happen in this last Supreme Court cycle, right? We've seen people go, you know, they praise Roberts for his even-handedness. This is the same guy who's given you all sorts of stuff, guys. Have we forgotten exactly what he's ruled on? But by not appearing so nakedly partisan, he's made himself a very powerful judge. If Brett Kavanaugh is going to keep tossing out like stupid decisions that are so nakedly partisan, he's going to cripple himself as a judge. Um, He'll be a less effective judge over the course of his time if he only positions himself that way. I think Gorsuch was a good judge for conservatives because uh, that was when Trump was still trying to play nice with his party. I think he'll be another sort of Roberts. He'll be like 99% conservative and he'll do it in such a way that it'll make liberals feel somewhat better about him. It's definitely something to keep an eye on as uh, time passes yep. and we get more and more things sent over to them and seeing, seeing how they respond uh, to these situations that are, are being presented. I was going to go over impeachment, but we already know how we all feel about that. So I think we can go ahead and skip that one. Um, <laughs> uh, Safe. One thing I had on here that I forgot I even put in this note list is uh, the Space Force. <laughs> Are we talking about the Steve Carroll show? Oh, oh, okay, I'm happy, I'm happy you brought that up. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, um, in his say in the show Space Force. They're constantly struggling. Um, it was initially, you know, intended like an office style satire. Except that the more, and you can watch it in the writing, the more that he delved into the Space Force um, and like their mission statement and what they're trying to do, the more he's like, oh, no, this is actually probably necessary. Um, it goes against, um, it goes against, uh, uh, UN, the UN, um, several UN um, policies of not militarizing space because um, that would destabilize the globe. But China's doing it. Yep. And w- unless, uh, as I say, and unless you have a way of stopping China from doing it, what other options are available to you? Yep. So. One thing when I was when I was doing research for this, um, one thing that I learned is that there are actual like there there are several already existing space relevant parts of many of our military organizations, and one thing that I had no idea about is that the creation of this branch allows all of that to come under one giant umbrella and gives it a singular chain of command, like many yep. of other branches of our military. And I, I highlighted this because I thought out of all the things that I know I may not like about Trump, the more I looked into it, the more I'm like, you know, this, that, this really doesn't seem like that bad of an idea. Maybe, maybe this isn't something that I hate. Um, another thing that I went ahead and looked into was the First Step Act. You guys know what that is? Uh, hold, hold on. I, I, did, I want one other point on there. Go for it. Um, I don't, as I, like I said, I understand the necessity of why, a, um, of why something like this needs to be built. I don't understand why it has to be America alone. That's fair. Why we have yeah. the International Space Station, we have these um, resources with other people. Why are we doing, why are we insisting on doing this ourselves? Why wasn't this in coalition with our allies so that we could, you know, actually put some threat behind, um, behind it rather um because the U.S. is just not going to have the is not going to put funds towards it like we're going to like China is going to. 
you know what? Why aren't we doing it with others? We definitely should be doing this with other countries. Thank and, you. Like, there's there's really no reason not to. So I'm with you on that one. I, I'm absolutely with you on that one. You, so we still think it's a good idea. Still think it's a good idea. Um, may, may need some, some adjusting in how the idea is being managed, though. Um, the other, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I wanted to highlight some things that like weren't necessarily, well, I mean, the withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord is kind of, it, it, it's kind of a bad idea. And I'm pretty sure everybody who actually understands what the Paris Climate Accord is will recognize that that's a bad idea. But I was trying to gather things that weren't necessarily like bad, just like things that are interesting to talk about that have happened either directly because of him or while he's in office. And the other thing I wanted to talk about here before we move on to the next part is the First Step Act. Do you guys know what that is? I do not. So I had no idea this was even signed into law, as far as I'm aware. And I have like a brief synopsis of basically what it actually is. But it's a bill that overhauls certain federal sentencing laws, and it's designed to reduce mandatory minimum sentences uh, for drug felonies and expanding early release programs. Um, along with that, it also, uh, it also aims to offer more rehabilitation and job training opportunities for uh, people who've been convicted, and it includes uh, provisions intended to treat prisoners more humanely. So they're doing things like uh, banning the shackling of, pre of pregnant inmates, halting the use of solitary confinement for juveniles, um, mandating prisoners be placed in places that aren't too far from their family, things along those lines. I had no idea this was a thing until I went ahead and did some research. And that's, that's technically something that we can say Trump was responsible for. All right, hold on. Um, because, uh, yeah, um, we say we can talk about um, how, I say, about how that was passed. But can we also talk about how um, he's uh, been work, I say, working to undermine um, that, I say, that piece of legislation to specifically um, continue to target black people and minorities? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it was like perfect, that he's perfect in his implementation, but the, the idea is that the legislation exists and that he signed it. <laughs> I, I mean, Trump is such a weird, I don't want this to, he's a weird, he's, he's a weird president because he's, he's nonpartisan. He does not really care about Republican Party ideas or Democrat Party ideas. He simply cares about the ideas that are strictly in his own interest um what this means in a weird way is like if you can sneak something onto his desk that he thinks is good for him he'll sign it he doesn't actually care where it comes from because he just wants to do things that are good for him that's fair. like if chuck schumer and nancy pelosi can sneak something by like he'll sign it this is what kept happening when they would have to negotiate right we saw this recently right like Ted Cruz is out here going, we should give people $150 a week for coronavirus. And then the White House comes in and is like, but well, we could just extend the unemployment benefits. And they're like, but no, Mr. President, that's not the position of our senators. And he's like, but that's my position because I uh, want people to like me. So why don't we give them money? <laughs> and then all the Republican senators freak out. But like, he doesn't care what Ted Cruz thinks. He doesn't care what Mitch McConnell thinks. He doesn't, like, I don't give a damn about you guys. Everyone tells me, he's like, I watch CNN, and CNN said I should give people money, so why can't we just do that? And then Chuck <laughs> Schumer's like, yes, Mr. President, give him money. And then his, his side freaks out. But, like, just sneak it onto his desk and tell him why it's good for him, and he'll sign it. And we see that with things like this, right? Like, he became convinced it was good for him, and when he did that, the senators and House members in his own party can't stand against him, so they end up signing something that we kind of like. <laughs> the very weird relationship he has with his own party, in a way. I want to go ahead and get to the last bit of, of this discussion here. Because this, like, the other, the things that we've, we, we've discussed before have been, like, targeted. But, like, this is, this last part is a bit more, like, open. And so I'm going to ask you some questions. And if you want, I can answer them first. But, uh, Effectively, one thing that I've, I've 
notice as as we're dealing with Trump and his presidency and everybody who was like Trump can't be that bad and everybody who's like why is this man in office and like a bunch of other like things not only in my social sphere but in in many of the others that I've I've had the ability to interact with is that like there seems to be I want I want to say a disconnect but there seems to be a hmm what's the best way to, to, to describe this? There's a, people have issue with a lot of the things that Trump does, but people also have issue with who Trump is. And those things tend to coincide, even if they're not actually relevant to each other. And like, like the, the reason why I even brought up something like the First Step Act is because if, if you look at it on paper, it doesn't look like anything Trump would ever support. But like you said, maybe there's reasons for him to do things that aren't bad. Maybe there's something more happening here. And so my, my question, I, I say all this to say, my, my direct question is, we know that people don't like him, but is people not liking him a problem for his politics? Oh, is it a problem for his politics? Or uh, so are you asking, is, is people not liking him um, a problem for his politics. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Just so I'm clear. Do, okay. do, you, do you think, in, in your personal opinion, yeah. it's all personal opinion here, do, do you think that people not liking him is an issue for his politics and Trump, his own agenda? Yes. I, I have said this so many times. His personality type is so abrasive because that's the only world he knows. I mean, you know, this is this is a guy who came up in the world of New York real estate, which is like as abrasive and bruising a field as you could ever come up in. He runs everything like he is running New York real estate, which is screw you, I'm the boss, get the F out of here. I don't care about anybody. I'm in it for me, me, me. That's how he runs his whole life. Um, and it is an immediate turnoff to people who have to like interact with him or uh, bear witness to it every single day. It's why big real estate developers, like, can you name a major real estate developer in Indianapolis? Could you name two? If you can name one, could you name two? Have you ever met him? Have you ever seen an interview with them? No, because they're dicks. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody wants them to be on TV. These guys aren't nice. They, they're, they're mean people who run a mean world. So for Trump, he's been incapable of getting out of his own way in some instances because he's so personally abrasive that he won't see the very simple solution. I have said this on our show before about the coronavirus. Donald Trump understands the appeal of money. Donald Trump should have just kept sending people money, but he couldn't get out of his own way because he made people hate him and then they were mean to him, and then he felt so angry at him. Like, dude, keep sending checks. The thing you've done your whole life, just keep doing it, man. Just send everybody money all the way till it's over. Like, he understands the value of sending money. That's how he handles all of his problems. He just writes a check for it. Like, dude, you get it. Money makes the world go round. You get it. You know this. Supply to everybody, man. I mean, we saw this with his appeal to, to black voters before the coronavirus hit, right? There was all this talk about how they were doing raffles and giving away money at his rallies. And people were like, well, that seems like that's just bad. And I was like, it, is, is it really bad? Uh, I, I mean, is I mean, it illegal? Is now, crime. is it illegal? It's <laughs> a different question. Then is it, is, it, is it bad to tell people if they come to your rally, they might get money? That'll make a lot of people happy. They'll at least come to your rally. Buying votes now. Look, yeah, Francine knows. Buying votes is a crime. Anthony. Buying votes is bad. <laughs> bribery is a crime. I'm not asking is it illegal. I'm asking for a politician the idea that like you should just give people money to come see your speech. As a politician, <laughs> that's a crime. There's a right, but as a way, that as a, a way to get people to listen to you, as a way to get people to listen to you, though. I'm so what I'm saying here is. Trump understands innately the value of money. He understands innately the value of material stuff for people. He gets that it is 
is attractive to people. He's incapable of applying with coronavirus because his personality turns everybody against him and derails the whole thing. So yeah, like his personality interferes with his politics completely. Uh, he's one of the only presidents where I don't actually think you can separate him. Um, I've never heard of a president who I knew as much about personally as I do Donald Trump. That's actually pretty fair. <laughs> I was going to touch on that a little earlier, but yeah. <laughs> I miss those days. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, I know that we were talking about um, more involvement in politics as a, you know, as a potentially as a good thing. And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I like politics being boring. Politics being boring and I only have to care about um, a f- like a few things. That's nice. Um, I miss yep. those days. Yeah. I, I, because, I mean, because regardless, regardless of which party wins, the ship is going to stay on course and everything is going to be okay. That's not true anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> so I actually just remembered a really good example of this. Um, early on in Obama's term, there was something about NASA. We were talking about Space Force earlier, so it's a neat tie. Okay. And what they found was everybody generally agreed with, like, we should fund stuff NASA-related. And then the minute Obama came out and supported it, it became partisan. So all of a sudden, there was a partisan divide in the issue, right? Because that's a case where sometimes the president saying nothing is the best thing for the president. Say nothing. Let the process play out without you involved at all. Sometimes that's the best thing a president can do is step back and let the process play out and remove him or herself completely. Donald Trump is incapable of that. His, pro- his, his personality won't let him ever sit out. And it kills any possibility for good politics for him. <laughs> Obama learned this. Obama learned this the hard way. Look at uh, Henry Louis Gates, the professor, who was oh. uh, accosted by police. Yeah. Right? The minute Obama got involved, it's like, oh, the president's involved, so now it's a partisan issue. No, it's the same issue it was literally before the president got involved. Nope. Nope. The president weighs in. And that's the nature of the presidency. That's not a criticism of Obama or Trump. That's the nature of the presidency. You are a partisan figure. The minute you weigh in, it's a partisan issue. What, it's is this the nature of the like presidency? One. My point is that's a recent is, they, is that a recent phenomenon or has that always been true? Anthony, you know US history better than like political history better than I do. Is the president weighing in always been a partisan issue? Yeah. Uh, no. Or is that a, a, a post Newt Gingrich <laughs> um, polarization issue? Uh, it's a I don't know if it's post-Gingrich. I would probably date it back a little earlier, even than Gingrich. I think Gingrich uh, correctly picked up on on the trends. He correctly, you know, put his finger in the wind and was like, ah, okay, I see what's happening. Uh, the establishment of Fox News as far back in the 80s is probably when you really start to see this, like, uh-oh, everything is becoming partisan now because Fox News has, has, has waded into the fight. Um but I think most people who study this would put it firmly into post-civil rights. I, I, we cannot underestimate the degree to which the civil rights split everything into like hard partisan camps real fast. Um, that's sort of the demarcation moment where we, we became incapable of separating partisanship from literally anything out there. Um, you can look at it like FDR tried to pack the court and his own party said, you can't do that, (laughs) Mr. President. And we know you're our president, but you can't actually pack the court in a really blatant and terribly unconstitutional way. They stopped him. Then you start fast forwarding and you go like, oh, would anybody stop their own president from packing the court anymore? I'm not positive. I don't have any faith that they would. Current, say, current trends would say no. <laughs> would say no. Um, yeah. So the partisanship picks up post-civil rights. Fox News accelerates it. New Gingrich goes ahead and just punts it all the way. You know, New Gingrich runs it all the way in, right? He takes the pass. He's like, I'm going to run this one all the way in. And now here we are. Anytime a president weighs in, the issue is partisan. So 
I think we all agree, though, that it shouldn't be, but that no, is a current be. aspect of how yep. our political sphere works. Yep. Um, I think you see it playing out right now with, uh, I think there's a reason Joe Biden has not, has tried very hard not to talk about police reform. <laughs> right. Well, anything, but on stuff like police reform, I think Biden correctly recognizes if I weigh in, true reform probably becomes impossible, which is really sad because he's the most powerful figure in American politics. And it's really, really sad that he could be the most powerful figure in American politics. And it's kind of strange. He feels the need to sit out, but maybe he should. <laughs> I mean, this is, I say, look, you're right. You have to play with the board you have, not the board you want. Yes. I mean, look in a strange way, this is a return to how the presidency was originally conceived. What I am saying is like, on matters of legislation, maybe the legislators should carry the ball and the president should sit out. It's their job. The presidency was conceived with the idea that the president would uh, sit out unless it was a foreign policy or like a war. That he would just, like, the president wasn't supposed to be a legislator. Tell Congress to go do their job and send me a bill. <laughs> but we've got to this strange point where we think the president is the chief legislator. This is strange. <laughs> How do we get there? That's a more complicated discussion. But it ties into all this because, like, if the president thinks he's the chief legislator, he thinks he should weigh in on everything. Well, as Francine just noted, all these executive orders. Again, that was that was one thing that I was going to mention is uh, the the sheer number of yeah. uh, executive orders that showed up literally the day he took office. Um, uh, yeah. The executive orders are a 20th century phenomenon. Well, um, they, they yes. kick off with Teddy Roosevelt. They start to spike and then they never really stop spiking. Well, they, yes, they've gone um, down recently, actually, but uh, they haven't returned to anything approaching pre 20th century levels. It's more of what we talked about. Well, OK, but OK, but these can be traced <laughs> to the abdication of um, the legislative branch. Yes. Legislative. Yes. And sending yes. more and more, and sending more and more of their power to the executive. Yeah. Um, yes. We don't want to make uh, highly controversial laws and settle these problems. You do it. Yes. Look again. I am writing something about this exact issue right now. But that is the that is the correct thrust. The legislative branch has abandoned their responsibility, turned it all over to the president, who feels the need to weigh in on every single thing under the sun, um, to his detriment and the country's detriment. We see that clearly with Trump, who is who is who believes he should state his opinion on everything via Twitter, and it has killed his politics. In a sense, what was he supposed to do? And that's not to defend him. I mean, I don't want to defend the guy because I, mean, I think my feelings on him are known. But if the legislative branch isn't going to do legislation, what the hell is the president supposed to do? Not weigh in? <laughs> Pass bills out of Congress. So. <laughs> So then, and this is this is another one of the questions I was originally gonna I was originally gonna pose, but there actually didn't feel like a good time to bring this up because I was originally gonna there was like an entire block of this conversation I was gonna de I was gonna devote to specifically COVID nineteen, and that would keep us here for another forty minutes. So we're not gonna do that. But <clears throat> right now, we're gonna do that right now. Very true. We we we'll we'll probably talk about it in more detail later, given. <laughs> That it's always happening, but um, how much of Trump's current situation, both with COVID, with the like it like not just the administration, but the the current situation of American politics and the effective climate of the world, how much of that is actually Trump's fault? I mean, are we assigning percentages or are we just like uh, straight up or down? I mean, however you want to, however it makes sense to you. Okay. If it's a domestic issue and it involves domestic policies, it's not the president's fault. It's not any president's fault. That is not his job. The reason why we don't have good things happening with COVID is because Congress keeps fucking around. The reason we don't have unemployment extension is because Congress, they went home for the weekend. They were like, oh, Americans are suffering. I'm going to go take a three-day. Okay. That's not Donald Trump's fault. Like, maybe I am of the opinion that any 
any member of Congress who went home this weekend should be unelected next time. And I don't care if they're a Democrat or not. If you went home this weekend, you deserve to be voted out because that's bullshit. You stay in Congress until you have a bill. That's the actual job. Stay in Congress until you have a bill to save American people. Their job is to send a bill to the president, a good bill. If the president doesn't like it, he vetoes it. Then it goes back to them. And if it's a good bill, they override his veto and they pass it anyway. That's that's the actual process. That process has been short circuited on every domestic issue under the sun. It's been short circuited on anything. Healthcare. That's Congress's fault. Healthcare is the fault of Congress. They're the ones who write the laws. Write a law and pass a bill for God's sake. <laughs> All right. Okay. And uh, I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on this. Yeah. Especially say especially with Trump. Um, but uh, it's we've seen it with other presidents presidencies too yep. where i'm not going to where their congress is not willing to push anything that doesn't have the president's approval yes because it's embarrassing it, yeah. they, they want to save face and been like if we push something on the president's office we want him to sign it it's embarrassing for him to send it back to us yep and so uh to go back to your pre like your previous our previous discussion of the president shouldn't weigh in. The president has to weigh in on things because he has to be able to communicate with um, the way that it's set up, not the way that it's intended, the way that it's, but the way it's actually structured. Um, yeah. And I say he has to sign. He has to sign off. He has to say, "Yeah, this is our position, and this is what we're going to move forward as a monolith. Um, get on board or get out." So okay, <laughs> rebuttal. Push back to the pushback. If, if uh, let's say that you and I, Alex, are members of Congress and Josh is our president, uh, congratulations, Josh. You have just received a substantial promotion. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> we come up with a bill. We send it to Josh. It's a good bill. It's going to help people out. We send it to Josh. He says, Well, I don't like this. And we go, Well, you can veto it, but it's going to look really bad, Mr. President. It'll look really bad if you veto this, man. It'd be way easier for you to just sign it and, like, everyone will go, like, congratulations, President Hyde. Congress has pressure on the president, too. They, they, the pressure goes both ways. It's not I, like a, it's not, no, they it don't it have doesn't. to satisfy the president. It, it, it should, but it doesn't. And here's why Congress has a lower approval rating. Always. Yes. Anyone who has anyone who has been listening to this podcast for any length of time has heard me talk about congressional approval ratings being in the tank for like 70 years in a row. It's it is damn unremarkable how unpopular they remain literally throughout all of human history, apparently. People hate them. So 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 that pressure only (laughs) goes one way because I don't care what you I don't care what you think. I don't have to care. Let's say I'm the Republican leader and you're the Democrat leader. We pass a good bill. We could go out to the American people and explain to them what's in our bill. We have the power. We could also call a press conference. We could talk to CNN together. We could make joint appearances together and explain why our wonderful health care bill will help tens of millions of people. Oh, you're talking about, you're using that B word? I, oh, yes. Look, yes. Bipartisanship has been shot to hell, and I have recognized this will not happen. And because of gerrymandering, and look, again, we are talking about the article I'm writing. I'm well aware of the extreme problems with this. But the job of legislation falls on Congress. That is their job. They should pass legislation that they believe in and, like, that's that's their actual job. Yes, as Francie points out, partisanship has nullified the pressure that Congress can put on the president. They have they have neutered themselves. Like they, you did it to yourself, guys. I don't. They did it in matters both foreign, domestic. I have argued. Uh, preview. Spoiler alert. I have argued that basically every American president should have been impeached for the last sixty years for. Uh, going to war without congressional approval, which is a hell of a hot take, but I'm definitely prepared for people to be like, what are you saying? Harry Truman sent 300,000 soldiers to Korea under the guise of a police action. (laughs) That's a hell of a police action. Bill Clinton 
went to war in Kosovo. Congress voted on war in Kosovo. Everyone voted against it. But they got like three votes. They then voted to allow airstrikes in Kosovo, and that one died too. And Bill Clinton did it anyway. He should have been in peace because the power to declare war is the express power of Congress. <laughs> yep. You're not but wrong. hey, if you stop impeaching presidents and you stop passing legislation on your own, then I guess you neutered yourself. DJ Khaled, <laughs> congratulations. You played yourself. Played yourself. <laughs> I'm still stuck on President Hyde. <laughs> oh, yeah. Congrats, man. What's your platform? What are you doing day one? <laughs> what am I doing day one? Getting in the chair. Say, are we going to do like... Say, what's executive order one, sir? Are we going to uh, do like President President J, Joker style? President J? No. <laughs> no. And you know what? That feels like it. That feels like a good thing to end it on. So... <laughs> This has been fun. Um, yeah, this has been this has been this is a lot deeper than I thought it was gonna go, and I'm I'm actually really glad we had this discussion because I know that we we all feel, in my mind at least, very similarly about Trump, and and how we feel about who he is and his actions, but we've never actually put all this out there. It, it's yeah. never been all laid out on the table in terms of how we feel about him and his actions and his upbringing and everything else that we've gone into today. So yeah, this is enlightening. I'm glad yeah. This was fun. It was. Now back to news or back to uh, important events here. This podcast, like all the other ones have been brought to you in part by El Yag Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us and like us on our Facebook page. That's where we share really interesting articles for you to read. The uh, Not only the, the articles from around the web, but also the articles that we share on the website. Again, pointcast.news. Check that out. Anthony's got something in the works. May or may not be up by the time this airs. But thank you for listening. Thank you all at home for engaging with us. We very much like hearing your voices and everything else associated. This has been another episode of Recap. Josh out.